Hey guys, this is our parable. I'm here with Paris Shuey. Nice, good and, job. Uh, yep, it's a full name. And um, he's an awesome guy. I've known him officially for like maybe 25 hours. 25 hours. Maybe like 24 hours, honestly. <laughs> but a short time, but we've had some really good conversations. And uh want to introduce him. Um, he does full-time sports ministry. Um, I think he has a really unique perspective on how to integrate God in our lives for them to be intertwined uh, with him throughout the day. Mm. And so like, I think what would be good is for maybe you to just share a little bit about yourself just so people kind of know you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So my name is Paris. I grew up, uh, in, in the Seattle area. I've been in Clark County for just over five and a half years now. Uh, I'm an assistant high school baseball coach here at Kingsway high school, uh, played division one baseball, got a chance to play professional baseball. Uh, I'm married, have three sons, and uh, I met Jesus in college through the influence of two teammates. Never thought I'd ever be in ministry, uh, but God's got a funny way of working stuff mm-hmm. out. And I feel like it, it totally makes a ton of faith to, to be where I'm at right now because of uh, my story, how I got saved, the influence of teammates, and then just being able to perpetuate like that cycle. Mm-hmm. And say like, yeah, sports can change lives. Teams can change somebody's life. Teammates can change somebody's life. A coach can change somebody's life. And we just put so much emphasis on sports mm-hmm. now. It's like, okay, I have an influence in this area. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's me. <laughs> that's <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell. That's yep. good. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so let's let's go back to mm-hmm. um, high school, college. Yeah. And then like over into the workplace, like kind of the, the yeah. transitions that you went through. Yeah. We, you know, we were talking about it, you know, off air, just like, you just got to keep showing up. You got to just keep showing up and, mm-hmm. and like watch what God can do when you just show up. And I feel like, so in high school, I was not, uh, not a prospect from a sports perspective. I played football and baseball, but if you were to look, look at my high school team, and sit us down like when we were all seniors and say Paris is going to be like the only guy or one of two guys on this team that's going to play professional baseball. Everybody would have laughed, you know, because it just like wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So my route was uh, I went to a junior college my freshman year. Mm-hmm. I threw like 70 miles an hour and I got big. I grew into my body. I learned how to play. I actually learned how to play baseball. Then I got a scholarship to Washington State and they're like, yeah, everything just got better mm-hmm. and I grew more and got, you just got, got more, uh, like surrounded by mm-hmm. higher caliber players and everything. And then from there, like signed as an undrafted free agent with the Houston Astros in 2011. But I, I, it all comes back to like, I just put in the work, like I just showed up and I wasn't good, but I just kept showing up and like, mm-hmm. God does a lot when we just mm-hmm. show up, you know? And, and so that was my path to, to college, to, to get college paid for, to, Mm -hmm. to try to, my whole, like my whole life was centered on like, how can I get the most people like me and how can I be the best at baseball? Like Mm -hmm. those were the two guiding lights before I met Jesus. And so I get to Washington state and I just crash and burn because I just jumped right into that college life. And I had two teammates that just live differently. Like they weren't at the parties. They weren't hung over in the locker room. They didn't talk how everybody else talked. And when I like reached that breaking point, you know, I looked at them and said, what's different about Shay and Tommy. Mm -hmm. And they were like, Oh, it's Jesus, man. And you should meet this guy. 
And so they introduced me to uh, the director of uh, athletes in action that was mm-hmm. on campus. And, uh, and so I think from, from that point on, you know, it wasn't like a crazy experience and didn't feel or see anything. But from that point on, like the, like baseball was on the throne of my life and it slowly started to get mm-hmm. dethroned and Jesus got put on. Mm-hmm. And so I learned like how to fail, like tore my rotator cuff, thought I was going to get drafted, tore my rotator cuff. I was a captain of the team, got arrested cause I lived with a bunch of knuckleheads that smoked pot. So we all got arrested, got kicked. I got suspended from the team my senior year, thought I was going to get drafted, didn't get drafted, signed as an undrafted free agent. So it's just like all these moments I can look back on and say like, oh yeah, baseball was to get me to Jesus. And then, uh, God gave me a platform, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I can speak the language I've been, Mm -hmm. you know, farther than most. And so, uh, it's just crazy to to think about what Mm -hmm. God can do when you just keep showing up. Yeah. So what about after, Mm -hmm. after signing undrafted as an undrafted free agent, Mm -hmm. what happened after that? Yeah, I played one season. It was <clears throat> nuts. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't know how big leaguers do it and playing as many games as they do. And uh, and I, I well, I actually remember like praying. My whole family, you know, they're still they're not saved. My, our whole life, their whole life was about me getting to <laughs> the bigs, so I could like save the family. And so uh, I remember like I just I couldn't make that decision. I didn't know how to make the decision. Like Lord. I prayed, Lord, if I'm not supposed to play baseball anymore, don't let me get drafted. And the draft ended and I didn't, my name didn't get called in 50 rounds. It was three full days. And then my phone immediately rings as soon as the draft ends. And the guy asked me if I, anybody called me, said they want to sign me. My official title is undrafted free agent. I told him I'd still play, even though I knew like in the back of my head, like, oh, I didn't get drafted. I think God answered my prayer, you know? And, uh, so I played that one season kind of knowing, I don't think I should be here. And so, uh, retired at the age of 22, (laughs) uh, retired, retired from a professional career. Uh, that's funny to say actually. Uh, and then yeah, I graduated with a degree in management and operations and then moved back in with my parents. This was like you know, the recession had happened in 07, 08, and the job market was still crappy in 2011, 2012. So I took the first job that came to me and it was a a healthcare recruiting job. And Mm -hmm. so I was just, you know, smiling and dialing the phone for 10 hours a day to recruit nurses and CNAs to work in hospitals and nursing homes. And, you know, that's actually what ended, ended up uh, getting my wife and I down here. So I met her in college. She was a pole vaulter at Washington state. Um, yeah, we met in, in like a Bible athletes Bible study, and then uh, yeah, we got married, moved in with my folks. We both started working in Seattle, moved down here because I got promoted. And then when we had our first son, uh, you know the the wheels started turning. Like we moved up to Vancouver. I was commuting to Portland every day for like two and a half years, and then we had our first son and. It's just something happened. Like, well, you I, had a son. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, but it was like, man, I want to be a dad more than I want to be a businessman or make money uh-huh. or do, you know, and I'm like two hours a day plus in traffic. Like, is this really worth it? And, uh, and so we, yeah, we kind of counted the cost and said, let's find something on this side of the river, you know, Vancouver side of the river. And 
So took a quick little detour into real estate with, uh, with an acquaintance, uh, managing like marketing and investor relations. And then, um, you know, ended up flipping a house ourselves in 2018. My wife and I did, and, uh, that was a lot of work, but then we had our second son, uh, as we were working on that house. And then the guy that I was working for just shut the whole company down, didn't tell anybody. And so we're in this like, you know, free fall mode of no income, all the money's in a house and now we have a new baby. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, (laughs) and what's crazy. So then here enter like the fellowship of Christian athletes and like three different people that the same week I found out I didn't have a job anymore. I had three conversations with people that had no idea of the other two people. And they all mentioned if I'd ever heard of FCA or not. And so Mm -hmm. I get to like the last conversation on Friday and I'm like, okay, God, I might be dumb, but I'm not deaf. I think you're, I think you're like telling me I should look into this more or or pray more about being a a missionary essentially. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there was so much momentum behind the process that I felt like I don't, I don't know. And you know, this isn't biblical probably, but it felt like I couldn't call myself a Christian if I said no to this, like that's how intense the decision felt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we just like, we jumped in. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm at now. <laughs> you had conviction. Yeah, that's, yeah, conviction. I mean, that's what going against your conviction is like mm-hmm. guilt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, guilty conscience, usually you can't. It's, yeah, it's, it's tough good. to, I mean, I mean, we shouldn't really put a label on ourselves regardless mm-hmm. in the first place. Right. So yeah, I wouldn't amen. call you that anyways. <laughs> but, um, I, so the motivation with, uh, Christian fellowship, Christian athletes, right? Mm-hmm. It's to reach yep. people in school, yeah, uh, in school. So is that mm-hmm. high school, college, middle school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? our yeah, our primary ministry focuses on the public middle school and high school campus, mm-hmm. like with sports. Yeah, so uh, you know the mission is to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and His church, and so we're utilizing relationships with athletic directors and coaches, and you know discipling student athletes Mm -hmm. and and getting them the tools that they need to lead for a higher purpose and then getting them plugged into a church, uh, training coaches, discipling coaches on like the why, like, like coming into that, right. Cause Mm -hmm. you went from, uh, working healthcare and then you went into real estate and Mm -hmm. then you went into essentially Mm -hmm. just fathering people. Right. Yeah. Like what you had experience as a father, right? Mm -hmm. You had some kids, Mm -hmm. but now you're dealing with other people's kids. Mm -hmm. Like what were some of the things that you came, you struggled with and were kind of like, well, I didn't expect it to be like this. Cause you come into an idea. Typically you're, you're very excited about the idea of doing something. But then when it comes down to the execution, you're, you can be very thrown off by it because it comes with like every good idea comes with like a hundred, you know, bad things or things you don't want to take care of or (laughs) things you didn't expect or, um, you know, then you have, you have drama or you have, Mm -hmm. uh, politics, you have, uh, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing, so the, the first thing that comes to mind, actually like the biggest problem piece was like how I thought it was a no brainer to say, like, let me be like the sports ministry branch of your church. Like I'm trying to partner with churches right in this area let me be the sports ministry branch of your church and like get me, con- who, who do you know that I can yeah. get connected with? And then like, let me 
and your use your building and let me get people doors. Yeah. And let me get people yeah. into your building. Cause like, we're going to rally around Jesus and sports. And the pushback was something I did not expect at all. Uh, and so that kind of threw me for a loop and of um, like how many churches you went to, how many people like responded to the, yeah, it was probably, request. uh, 10% said, yeah, that sounds good. Out of like how many churches? What? Uh, you went to a lot. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm trying to like simplify the number. If it's like, I went to 10 churches, one would say, yeah, yeah that, that sounds in the good. Simplest like, form, yeah. 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 yeah so sense. I think, you know, there's uh, 17 high schools and like 23 middle schools in Clark County. So I have the whole, whole County and one junior college. And, uh, I think we have like 160 something churches and there's like no ministry happening at any of these like official ministry. So you're you know? saying so, those are the churches tied to those schools? No, I'm saying? just saying there's like not a lot of okay influence, I you see. know? And, and, yeah. and so how is, so my, I want to figure out like when I, uh, you know, I got this, I've gotten a few words about like being a bridge, like building a bridge and like, how can in a perfect world, uh, if the church and the school were in relationship, like FCU would need FCA, like, but, but we need FCA because there's some disconnect. Mm-hmm. We're believing some lies or there's, yeah, there's just like the clear distinction. Mm-hmm. And so my whole mission is to like get the church on campus and, and get kids from on campus, like utilizing sports where they're probably way more likely to go to a football game on a Friday night than a church service on a Sunday morning. Right. Like how do we use that influence mm-hmm. to, to get them plugged back in to, to discipleship? Mm-hmm. Cause not like Jesus didn't say, come and make converts, come and make, come and plant churches, mm-hmm. come and, you know, hold conferences or worship service. He said, go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so like, how can we, how can we funnel these athletes, these coaches into a church, get them plugged in where they're actually being discipled. So there can be some real life change, like lasting life change. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's all pretty fresh. It's like been a year, right? A year uh, or two years. Yeah. Well, this is like school year number three, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like with coronavirus and half a school, like Changes it's the game. super, it's yeah, totally everything's different super different. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like faced with this question now. If like our, our primary ministries, thrived on a public school campus with sports and those two things are gone. Uh, so how do you do ministry now? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just really clear, like how we need to be into the club sport arena where, you know, it's private. There's all, all the, they're nonprofits, but they're private organizations and way more kids are playing club sports now than high school sports. And, um, and even getting, you know, we call our ministry huddles. We call all the Bible studies, we call them huddles to keep in the sports theme. So like, let's get huddles meeting in homes and, and keep them, you know, within the guidelines and wear masks and all that temperature checks and all that. But how can we bring like church back into the home? And, mm-hmm. you know, some parents don't even know that their kids are a part of a Bible study on campus called a, well, an FCA huddle, huddle, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the name kind of clues you in, but you know, if the kids aren't talking with the parents or, you know, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, you call the parents up and you're like, Hey, your, your son or your daughter has been a part of FCA. Oh, what's that? A fellowship of Christian athletes. And, uh, they've been a part of the huddle and we're looking to get the huddle started in a home. Like, would you be willing to host? And, I mean, so that response has been phenomenal. Like, oh, I didn't even know. 
that my kid was going to a Bible study, like in the middle of a school day, like, yes, let's have them over, you know? So that's been a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cool flip Mm -hmm. for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, with you, uh, I would love to maybe just talk on, um, maybe talent, um, versus ethic Hmm. and character Mm -hmm. and like, kind of like what you've seen, um, through the last, I don't know, through your life, just because Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good thing to emphasize because I feel like you have a good grasp, grasp on, on what that means. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a firm believer that talent will always take you further than your character can sustain you. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a lot of talented people that blow their lives up because they have no character or they have less character than talent. And at the end of the day, the most important thing that as a coach, the most important thing we could ever do is reach for the character and, and develop character in a kid and an athlete over developing talent. Uh, cause talent's more of that, like innate, like you can't really teach mm-hmm. a kid to throw 95 miles an hour. Like they just got to be born with some intangibles. Right. Uh, but character can definitely be developed and sport is a phenomenal classroom to develop character if you, if the coach knows it or if the kid knows that this is like classroom, right? I think sport in and of itself, at least in America, like it actually degrades character or or it eats away at character because we put such an emphasis on winning and winning at all costs. So Mm -hmm. like do the steroids, cheat, leave you know, whatever it is. So how can we get coaches on a mission to use the platform of sport to, to develop character and not just talent. Mm-hmm. Cause like we got to know what we're talking about. Otherwise we're not going to be able to coach. Right. So you got to have like some, uh, in, like some knowledge and wisdom, like in the sport that you're coaching, but it has to be like, we have to get deeper than that. We got to go to like the mind and the heart. And so, um, we use a tool called three dimensional coaching to develop our coaches and like it all hinges on the coach. Like, you know, we, Like I love youth ministry and I love youth sports and I love like high school, my high school players. Uh, but the most important person in a lot of their lives is the coach. And if, you know, if you're like a coach at a a high school coaching a football team and there's like 80 kids on that team and I don't know, like I know you, but I don't know the 80 kids. Like, is it better for me to try to build a relationship with 80 kids and disciple them or build a relationship with you who already has that influence and already has that spot Mm -hmm. in those kids. Right. So when we, we multiply our, our impact, when we reach Mm -hmm. the influencer. And so, um, like we talk about, uh, there's like performance character and moral character. And it's like Mm -hmm. the performance character is like the fuel or the fire and the moral character is like the compass. So we need to be pointed in a right direction and then, and then the performance character, like discipline and self-control and, and those kind of things, mm-hmm. like that's like that performance, but integrity, like mm-hmm. service, those are some of those, uh, moral characters that we can teach using, using sport. And so I, yeah, I think it's a, we need to put a huge emphasis on character because we're going to be human beings longer than athletes. Mm-hmm. Right. And one day it's yeah. going to end. Like your body will deteriorate, deteriorate yeah. before you can get, you know, probably before you get to the end of your life. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a lot more living to do. Usually your prime is by 35. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, usually that's even like in people's careers. Like you can only, 
hustle and work so hard mm-hmm. over the course of your life until mm-hmm. you reach a certain age. And I mean, at a certain point you have kids and yep. then you have family and then you have, yep. you know, you have to take care of that. And so that all kind of adds up and accumulates and, you know, you get to the point where it's like, okay, well, I have to, I have to make a choice. Yep. You know? Yeah. Do like I what per- is most important? Mm-hmm. What is more? Yeah, exactly. Do I pursue things that will deteriorate? Because sports in the same way of like finances and business, like money deteriorates, our bodies deteriorate. So two total mm-hmm. like uh, tangible things that will pass away when, yeah, well, when, when the father comes back. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of puts it into perspective, like what are we pursuing? Mm -hmm. And so I think in this case, you're pursuing relationship, you know, with a few, so you can reach a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Um, Because again, too, like same thing goes down. Like um, when we come to the end of our lives, it's not, uh, we we won't be remembered for how many people we had a relationship with. We'll be remembered for the ones that we had amazing relationship Hmm. with. Um, because the yeah, ones we're having, because the ones we're having mediocre relationship with or passive relationship are just like very distant, hmm. you know, like you see him, you're like, Hey, what's up? I am good. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that won't be remembered. And it's not about being remembered, but it's about leaving a mark right. on, on community, yeah, on people. Totally, man. And so what, what, what I think the desire would be, would be to, um, actually, have meaningful relationship that we can be remembered for, mm-hmm. that it would mark people's lives. Um, cause ultimately we do want to be remembered for bringing Jesus into people's lives, yep. you know? So we do yeah, want amen. that to be remembered. Yeah. Um, and so like coming, coming at it that way now mm-hmm. when we're at, like, that doesn't mean we need to quit our jobs. Right. So I feel like anytime we're approached with like a very hard truth of like, okay, we need to make a life change now. So I was living this way and now I need to change this way. Automatically mm-hmm. we think whatever I'm doing now, I just need to drop it and throw it in the garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically what we need to do is we need to, we need to adopt a change within our character on the inside, you know? Yeah. Amen. So we, we need a, we need a reverse like growth. So we don't need to grow in our performance. We need to grow now within our spirit, yeah. you know, within our, within, within our soul, we need to grow and cultivate a higher understanding of how we're operating and functioning now, Yep. you know? And so, um, but what that produces is like a whole new way of living Mm -hmm. and it's like total, totally counterculture. Yeah. And so what I'm kind of realizing is the way, the way we walk in our career or with Jesus, you know, it has to be so, it it has to be counterculture, right? you know, because it says not to conform the patterns of this world, right? Which would be, um, which would be simply like working for success, Mm-hmm. Uh, money being a competitive tool to outshow yourself or to say I'm more successful yeah, than look you. What I have. Yep. Exactly. Um, actually the more money you make, the more serving you should become. The yeah. More, the more humble you should become. Yeah, we're, we're blessed to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you see the opposite, right? So the opposite in finances is, you know, you receive more so you can give more versus in the world it's you receive more so you can receive more. And so total, total vice versa, um, relationships, it's not so much, um, we see it this way, right? Relational equity versus, you know, equity of like, of love, like love equity, right? So like hmm. two different currencies, mm-hmm. like, cause the currency of the heaven is based on love, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the, the currency of this world is based on personal advantage. Mm-hmm. So do we pursue relationship 
to yeah. be, to be advent, ad, uh, advantageous or do we right. um, pursue relationships simply to love? Yeah. And so you see like totally. everything is laid out to be polar opposites. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like, I think that people think they need to change what they're doing to somehow change their character. Like right. what, if they do something different, like, so if I pursue full-time ministry, yeah, that will you. change my personal character. No. So I would <laughs> believe that like whatever you carried over into fellowship, Christian athletes, mm-hmm. you actually carried that over from, um, nursing and yeah. from real estate. Like I was always in, I was always that person. Yeah. And now it's just like my life is shining in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so to speak. And, yeah. And I think just because now, so now you're in your calling, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like this is your to, calling. Yeah, for sure. So our calling only amplifies the character we have inside mm-hmm. of us. So if we have a bad character, even if we're on our calling, it'll emphasize the bad character within mm-hmm. us. Yep. And so it'll produce negative fruit yep. or bad fruit yep. in, in that case, wow. you know? Um, yeah. So like we could even be like currently in our lives, like I feel like um, we could be right where we need to be in our calling and it's not actually the job or the calling that's the issue. It's about how we're how we're going about it. It's the, yeah, approach, the, it's the approach we take. It's how we treat it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that you need a new job because your coworkers are bad. It's just that we need yep. a new mindset because our mindset is bad. Yeah. Our our priorities are bad. Our, our be- intentions our are bad. Our beliefs are mm-hmm. they're off. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man, that's really good. Mm-hmm. I, so I think you know. A, a story, like to paint an example, I, there's a, I'm in a, a relationship with the, the head coach of Fort Vancouver's football team. His name's Doug mm-hmm. Billado. And he got, he's been getting rocked by the Lord, like over this whole coronavirus thing. Like they had spring ball scheduled, got canceled. He's started jumping on these, uh, you know, FCA zoom calls and a couple different like coaches huddles that mm-hmm. were, have been held via zoom. And, and, uh, and then he got baptized, like, a month ago. And, you know, we're talking last week and he's like, my whole life is different. Like I know I'm supposed to be coaching. So he's still coaching, right? He was Mm -hmm. a coach before and not really believing a lot of truth or like who he is in Jesus. And now he's like, this whole thing has been the best thing that's ever happened to me because now I know why I know why I'm coaching now. And my family's different. My relationships with my daughters are different. My relationship with my wife is so much better. And like, I just feel like all the weights lifted and I can actually coach now. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't feel like, Oh, I met Jesus. Now I need to stop being a coach. I need to you know, do mm-hmm. some, be a carpenter. Right. He, he's like, Nope, I'm still going to coach. This just amplified like why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you know, to your point of like the countercultural thing, discipleship is so anti-American because it's like, it's very slow. Mm-hmm. It's not fast. It's not like Instagram worthy. Yeah. It's not post worthy. It's not big, flashy, tons of yep. people, lasers, smoke, show, you know, it's like what we're doing right now, having a conversation mm-hmm. and like talking about how God's changed our life. Like that's discipleship. Mm-hmm. And that is really hard for people to get their mind around. I think it's like, we've missed the boat, I think as a church, as the church, big C church of like, what does it actually mean to make disciples? Not just, you know, hold service. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You have thousands of churches, but maybe every church is only producing, you know, one or two disciples a year, you know? Yeah. Like the, 
we're maybe not in full unity on that because mm-hmm. here's the thing with discipleship, you're ultimately producing someone who will surpass you in every way. Yes. We will like go that. far before you. We don't like so that. like you have to tolerate that and be like, okay, I'm literally, and, and this is a conversation, especially in business. It's like, okay, I'm going to train this person. I'm going to cultivate them as a leader. I'm going to sow into them. I'm going to pour everything I have and produce a good leader. But mm-hmm. ultimately you have to be aware that like this person one day will surpass you, leave you behind, you know, like not like in a bad way, yep. but like they'll leave, they'll go on their own, they'll do their own thing and they'll be gone. Yeah. Um, but that's the call. Man. You know, that's the mandate of heaven is like, Hey, produce apostles. Cause that's what an apostle. So a disciple is to become an, an apostle yeah. to be sent. Come on. Yep. Right. So yep. you have a student and then they're meant to be sent. Yeah. And so we forget that part though. We forget mm-hmm. that second part. So we, we always hold on to discipleship, mm-hmm. but we always forget about apostleship, like sending, sending them out. Yeah. That's the part. Like you can't, they'll never be sent if you keep them. And so it's the unfortunate thing that, you know, our desire is to accumulate. That is like the law of earth is like accumulate things. So like we'll accumulate relationships, but like, what about like, sometimes we need to release relationships because, you know, they need to go enter into relationship with five other people. Yeah. You know, for the sake. So it's not that you, so I guess that comes into the point of like addressing, um, spiritual maturity and being like, there's at a certain time in our lives where we're going to have friendships. We're going to have disciples. We're going to have, you know, pastoral leaders. And at a certain point, it might be time to release them off of your life. Mm-hmm. That way they can go help other people. Cause I, it, it, and that's the hard part because you're having to say no to yourself because like who wants to give up a really solid relationship? Yeah, like all these A players mm-hmm. around you, right? Exactly. But if we stuff ourselves with, with all of these people who are A players, you know, ultimately what, or who are better than us, then ultimately we, we stuff ourselves in a position where all of our time is being consumed by people who are ultimately teaching us rather than us being consumed by us teaching people. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're always putting people around you who are always better, because that's what earth says, it says, Hey, surround yourself with the best, surround yourself with the most successful, mm-hmm. surround yourself with the people who will take you the farthest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not who, you know, I mean, it's not what, you know, it's who, who you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, just like all of these principles, I mean, that last one still holds true. Like I know Jesus, so that's mm-hmm. who I know. Right. Amen. Um, but for everybody else, it's based on who they know mm-hmm. as, as in people. And so I, just that, that concept of like releasing people and not holding on to them and having that, that understanding that like, I'm here to pour into people mm-hmm. who, who I want to actually surpass me, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And then I'll release them yep. so they can do the same thing. Yeah. And like, who knows? We become the lid yeah. on our influence mm-hmm. if we just huddle everybody, mm-hmm. you know, around us. We have phenomenal leadership in FCA and our uh, West division, like executive director, he's got... He says, uh, you, like, you don't tell a, a leader from the number of apples on the tree, but the orchard that's around him mm-hmm. and, and like how it's not just about like, what fruit am I producing? But like, look at that leader, look at that leader, look at that leader and the fruit they're producing mm-hmm. and where they're at. It's a different location than where I'm at. Right. Uh, and I think that's like, there's a quote on the wall over here. I took a picture of it yesterday. It was like. <laughs> the point of leadership is to make more leaders, not more followers. 
Mm -hmm. I'm like, amen. Like Mm -hmm. we need, yeah, like we need leaders. And Jesus, you know, I was, I was looking for the, the verse I couldn't find. It's in Luke six or seven, but Jesus says, uh, you know, a, a, a student is not greater than his teacher, but when you're fully trained, you will be like your teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that just came to mind when you're, you know, do, do we send them off prematurely or do we huddle them together and never let them go? It's like, we, they need to meet yeah. Jesus and be fully trained and then they can go do what he did. Like yeah. be a sent one, an apostle. Yeah. yeah. I think it like discipleship addresses like a really serious question. It's like, hmm. if you're going after the ones who are like, you know, the outcasts or the people who are, you know, so take somebody who has nothing and has you know, maybe they don't have potential, but you feel the call to disciple them, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately, like, like it's cool discipling them, but then you it comes to the point where it's like, what happens on the day where they surpass you or they become whatever, quote unquote, greater than you? And you have to like ask this question like, oh, well, and then, then they leave you one yep. day and you're like, oh, well, that's, you know, like <laughs> you don't really- Was that a waste of time? You don't, really have, right? you don't really have, you don't really have words to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like this, <clears throat> I've, I've always heard in my life, people come over to me though. I actually hear it very often. Um, it's common phrase. It's like, what about when people take advantage of you? Mm. I hear that. I hear that all the time. Sometimes uh, daily people yeah. <laughs> will come up and I don't know why mm-hmm. they feel the reason to tell me this, but they're like, Hey, like, you know, what if people take advantage of you or what if they, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're using you or, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, that's good. I think we were talking about it yesterday. We had a prayer and it's like, you know, if I'm called to be Jesus and Jesus was a symbol of communion and he is, his flesh is the, is the bread and his, and his blood is the wine. Then if I'm a symbol of Jesus, then that means I'm also bread and wine. And that every time someone breaks me, they take a piece of Jesus and they're taking communion. Yeah. And so we offer ourselves wow. as a living sacrifice. Yeah, that was big. You know, so I offered myself as, as bread and wine, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever that is symbolic of to people. And like they take finances or they take my time or they abuse me or they do something. They're ultimately breaking off a piece of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's like a forced a blessing. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like looking at it this way. It's like every time someone takes from me, Man. it's almost like, they're just forcing me to bless them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, man, such like, a good way to look we at don't it. even have to look for opportunities to like sow into people because people will just take. Yeah. And so how privileged am I that like sometimes I'm looking to give and someone will just take it mm-hmm. and you're just like, wow, like, and you bless them. And I know yeah. that like we could be in a very vulnerable place and be like very victim, vic- mm-hmm. victim mindset mm-hmm. and be like, well, they took from me. Like I want my vengeance or we could yeah. just be like, well, you know, I give it as a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, just change your mind about it. Um, I just see that in Jesus's life mm, very, very persistently. I see that in, in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I see nothing in, in his walk that would talk against that, that concept of mm-hmm. like that our lives are just to be broken and not suffer, but through every, everything that comes in our lives, we can find joy in them mm-hmm. in the sense of like yeah. mindset. Cause joy is like a perspective change. Yeah. So that's not based on circumstances. Yeah. Happiness is based on circumstances. Circumstances. Yep. Joy is just a feeling that you feel through every occasion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, like the call to rejoice, like re joy, mm-hmm. like re go over the joy yeah. that you once had, like what a, and I think one of the biggest commands throughout the whole entire Bible is like to remember. 
And so I just feel like as people, we need to train. Like I, I need to train these kids I'm discipling, these coaches I'm discipling. Like one of my thing I feel like I need to train them the most on is how to remember, like remember the wins, remember, uh, remember when God showed up, like have that build faith for like the current situation. Like remember when he showed up there, remember when he showed up here, so that, that call throughout the whole old Testament, like remember mm-hmm. the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt mm-hmm. and through the Red Sea. It's like, man, this is thousands of years after that. And God's still like, remember him. That's who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's supposed to build faith for the current moment, like re go over your joy, rejoice over that joy that I once had. Okay. That's going to bring joy into the moment. Now mm-hmm. that's not going to be founded on any kind of circumstances. Cause that's all like shifting sand, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that's a bit I, like as a disciple and a disciple maker, like you and I both have to have like really good rememberers and we got to train people yeah. on how to like remember. And it's good to remember. Yeah. It's good. Um, like that, it, that kind of ties in with like what we're talking about, like, we were talking earlier about being consistent and then just showing up, just showing up, just showing up. Mm-hmm. And every day you should kind of show up and you like to show up to the day and only think about that day and not think about how you're going to approach the next day mm-hmm. and the next day, but simply come to show up to take advantage of every opportunity that is, that mm-hmm. comes your way that day. Yep. Cause if we're focused on the opportunities of tomorrow. We'll miss opportunities of today. Absolutely. And to not only that, but to be okay with exactly where you're at, you know, and yep. have joy in that and to find pleasure in God and what you're doing rather than pleasure within that thing. Because mm-hmm. the thing is like, I'll go into like, I'm not a parent, but I would go into parent parenting and mm-hmm. I would say like, um, your joy may be being a parent, but what happens when if you have a miscarriage or what happens if you can't have a baby anymore, Mm -hmm. does the joy go away or does it stay the same? Because big question. And I know there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sadness Mm -hmm. that comes with that Mm -hmm. of losing a baby because Mm -hmm. it's yours, it's your child. And Mm -hmm. only a mother would understand like what the pain would be for that. Yeah. And it's, it's probably one of the worst pains, you know, someone probably go through childbirth like Mm -hmm. 20 times over. Like losing then, a baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then losing a baby. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. And that's how, that's how God feels about us too. Um, mm. Like just imagine that like every time we turn away from the faith or abandon him, it's like losing a baby. It's like, it's yeah. like a miscarriage. Yeah. You know? Dang. And so where, like where we're produ- where our joy is produced mm-hmm. is, is really important. I think mm-hmm. like, Cause what happens, like we're talking in sport, like you tear your AC, you tear your ACL and now what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think what, like what the pandemic has done is, you know, not everybody faces like season ending injuries or like career ending injuries, but now everyone has faced a global pandemic that took away any shred that they had to like play. And you can apply this like, yeah, I mean, parenting, business, I know there's business people <clears throat> that listen to this podcast. I know there's parents that are listening. There's probably athletes or coaches that are listening. It's like our joy, our worth, our value, our significance can't be placed on what we do, what we have, or or like the people around us that we know. Like it has to be Jesus and it has to be like a relationship with the Lord who's living and give, gave us his word, right? Like everything can be taken away in an instant. 
we heard about this virus and like two weeks later, every, the whole world shut down. You know what I mean? So, so it's just, it, I hope that, and my prayer has been that people have taken advantage of like the last, was it eight months, seven, eight, nine months, uh, to like really get some FaceTime with the Lord and say, okay, what's my life actually about? Like, who, who do I need to know? And like, what do I need to know about Jesus? That's going to give me some shred of like joy, peace, hope, uh, that, that can't be founded in like making money, playing sports, being successful in whatever venture. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying like, they can't be the defining Mm -hmm. like thing that we look towards. And so like the whole world's got an introduction to like what it's like to have a season ending injury or, or lose, you know? Mm -hmm. And one of the things we tell coaches in our, uh, our training program is, uh, when, when who you are, when what you do is who you are and you lose what you do, you find out who you actually are. Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone's been, been faced with that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just pray there's been, there's more like Doug Bilodeau stories out there. Uh, and not just in sports, but like all over the place, mm-hmm. you know, like take advantage of the time yeah, and, and get to know Jesus. Yeah. And we're kind of talking about time and, um, like, one thing I noticed probably within myself and with other people and just culture, we're, we're addicted to filling our schedule. It's eat cause it's, oh, man. Big time. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so uh, much easier to like take our calendar and pack it out. And then on the other end, we're looking at it and we're like, Oh, um, like how can I empty my schedule? That's the hard part especially mm-hmm. with ministry. Cause mm-hmm. everyone is kind of like begging, begging for time. Right. Or like you need to, you need to do this and you have this meeting and you have to go here mm-hmm. and then you're like, Oh wow. Like what do I, right. what do I stop and what do I drop? Right. And you're like, like, how do I have boundaries? Or you don't drop anything. You just take it all on. And, and you're kind of like, Oh, okay. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, like I've had to have really great boundaries, uh, and, and some, I think some people can look at boundaries, like if they have really bad boundaries, uh, and, and they don't have a good concept of what boundaries mean, then they can look at your boundaries and say like, Oh, well, you're just not in love with Jesus enough, or you don't care enough. Cause you're saying no, or you don't blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think boundaries actually like keep us safe. Boundaries help me, uh, define what's the most important. And how, and where to put the most amount of time and energy and focus into. And, and they help me kind of say like, this isn't important and I got to cut it out. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of stories I mean, from all different industries and like workspaces of where like you just, people just keep going and going and going and going and going. And mm-hmm. then they, I mean, even in the church world, like, yeah, you just say yes to serving and then you're serving all over the place and you don't have any time for your family. And then you get a divorce and your whole like world blows up mm-hmm. because you're like serving Jesus, but yeah. you have no boundaries. And so yeah. that's like, you know, another conversation yeah. that I've, could take hours. It's just like boundaries. Yeah. What does that mean to have them? And like, like for yeah. me, I've noticed, yeah, definitely like ministry will a lot of times, because ministry, when I say ministry, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects right. to that, right. but primarily people will refer to that as serving, you know, mm-hmm. at church. Mm-hmm right? You're at, yeah. you're at church, you have yeah. meetings, you have all this stuff. And I find that like that actually, that and, and work, well work, work we do 
you know, we get to minister to people we work with. So, totally. you know, there's that aspect and same thing at church. Um, but church steals a lot of time from discipleship. It's all the extra stuff that yeah. we add on, you know, cause as, as you progress yeah. in, in a ministry, so in a church or organization, typically more will be added on, not less. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately your schedule will get, and also typically like there's a trend that, um, the church will always have not enough people volunteering. Right. And so you'll be needing to fill the gap for two or three people mm-hmm. because there's a need. And so obviously we mm-hmm. want to address the need, mm-hmm. but is that need more important than the process of discipleship? And so emphasizing that That's and being question. like, would I rather serve in a church or would I rather put that effort towards being available for one relationship? Mm-hmm. Not, well, it's always good to just start right. with just one and just right. be like, Hey, just one relationship. Yeah, but as an example, this yeah. is, this is all I'm about. One relationship. I want to produce a leader. Yeah. How's that? Like, how have you figured that line out? That line? Well, the first step for me was just like making work totally about ministry, I think. Whoa. So work work is totally like marketplace. Yeah. Ministry. Yeah. And like to like, I'm not. So reframing the mm -hmm. the perspective. So, um, not being competitive about finances, but actually being actually totally not competitive about finances. That's a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, in a way, like I'm just kind of wanting to, I'm okay with being stationary mm-hmm. in a financial position mm-hmm. for the sake of being like having momentum produced in relational wow. way. So Amen. I think that that is a lot more important. And that actually comes with a lot more challenges in my opinion, because finances are just our dollars, mm-hmm. but people, they, they come with a, a lot of extra mm-hmm. things. And so there comes with like, it comes with like drama because you're going to miscommunicate. I'm going to miscommunicate, you know, someone's not going to like my tone or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to like their tone or I'm going to get a text message and I'm going to misread it in a different tone. And like we had, I had one expectation, you had one expectation and then you're learning how to like communicate expectations and then all of these things. And so it's this big jumbled mess that no one's ever taught us, which is relation relationship. Um, the church didn't teach it to us. Mm -mm. Um, maybe our parents did to a degree, but you know, it's, it's hard. It's still hard. Like they're your, it's different because they're your, your, their son and Mm -hmm. their, or their daughter. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a different relationship. So we haven't been really taught relation relationship. There's not not been an emphasis on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In our culture. Yeah. We've, we've been, the culture says it's transactional, you know, that like what you're talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, I, I call equity. that like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I call it like transactional. Like I'm only here for what I can get out of this relationship mm-hmm. versus that like relationship of love. That's transformational. Yeah. yeah. So I've, and then in terms of like, especially with people who are more successful than me, um, you'll get this question a lot. They'll be like, Hey, why did you want to meet? Or why did you, why mm-hmm. do you talk to me? Mm-hmm. Or like, is there like an agenda? And I'm like, actually, there's no agenda. And I actually don't want anything. Um, and you don't ever have to give me anything. Hmm. I just wanted to hang out and yeah. I just want to be friends. That's it. Yeah. And so pursuing that way, I think is another aspect. Like I'm not really here to gain anything mm-hmm. because for me, if I want something, we have access, I have access to it all. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my perspective with God is like, I have access okay. to it. Big. If I actually want it, I have access to it. Yeah. And so yeah. I realized that what I really want is I want, um, my, my time to be available. Mm-hmm. And so 
choosing to guard my yes right and be more right. defensive Huge. about it um not in a selfish way i just think that um there are more important things mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. in life totally um so it's just, it's funny uh, money's really easy to track like numbers you can track like yeah. in and out in and out but relationships like hard mm -hmm. hard to track yeah. And so we all, we, we gravitate towards like the easy, understandable, Yeah. if I do this then I make this and that means that's get, that gets added mm -hmm. here. But it, if I spend that time in this relationship, who knows, they could move, they mm -hmm. could leave whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you're, if, because what happens is if, if money becomes the barometer for how you track su success, mm -hmm. right. And that's how you, that's how you see progress. Then how could you be generous or how can you be giving or how can you be any of the things that God has called us to do? If that's mm -hmm. a barometer for tracking, right? Because we're going to get like, if I'm going to give it all away, then technically I'm not successful, you know? Yeah, technically. And even if I give a million dollars or if I give a thousand dollars or I give $5,000, that doesn't mean I'm successful either. Mm -hmm. You know, it just means right. that I gave away my money. Right. Um, hmm. so that's not, that's not it. Hmm. Um, I think that like, success is going to be found for my life and simply having the right perspective hmm. because if you have the right perspective if you have the right lens mm -hmm. the right view mm -hmm. the right motivations the right agenda mm -hmm. then how can you not be joyful mm -hmm. you know i found that like when i don't have joy or when i'm stressed out or when i'm sad or when i have when I had depression, it was because I had a perspe wrong perspective of like, well, people don't value me. Mm -hmm. um, well, I want this from this relationship mm -hmm. or, you know, this is what I expect financially for the year. And like, this is what I want to do with it. And so like, I have all of these expectations, mm -hmm. but they're, but like you could have made more money than the last year, but you know, not feel successful. Not feel, uh, yeah. But absolutely. When you have just, a right mental health space mm -hmm. and you hear the world talk about it too. Like mental health is so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Like, why is it that when we make more money, people, they get a therapist, they get a psychologist, they get a physical therapist, they get the gym membership, they get the personal trainer, mm -hmm. they get the chiropractor, they get mm -hmm. the massage therapist, mm -hmm. they get, they get all these lists of things yeah. because they realize that <laughs> they're so messed up from work that they need all of these things because yeah. they want to be full of joy. Yep. And so they're trying to find it in all these practical things yep. when it's simply found in, in a God awareness, mm -hmm. you know, of who he mm -hmm. is and, and what he wants to do. Yeah. And so, and I noticed that, you know, like, right. Yeah, absolutely. You only need, you need more, more, more health, health related things mm -hmm. to get to that space. So mm -hmm. I'm starting to realize that I think, success is found in, in a health place and health setting. It's like being healthy mentally, mm -hmm. you know, cause if you have mm -hmm. a really good mental health, then you're going to have a really good Outlook relationship and, with, yeah. with Jesus because yeah. you're healthy mentally and you you can actually, hmm. you know, have a healthy relationship because you're yeah. not, cause I've been in so many times where like I, I get in, I get into a place where I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, but my agenda is to get peace. Hmm. So I'm just going to him in terms of, he's just my therapist at that point, Whoa. my psychologist, Whoa. you know, or I'm just going to Jesus today to like unload all my guilt and all my, mm -hmm. my shame, unload my sin, mm -hmm. unload my, uh, 
you know, my fears mm-hmm. and he's just my psychologist now, mm-hmm. or I go to <laughs> church so he can heal me. Well, now he's just my doctor. Yeah. And so Whoa. the hidden agenda behind my life mm-hmm. in, in a Christian setting is very apparent. Mm. And the thing is, we don't notice yeah. them because there's such, um, yep. they're like microscopic moments in the day, yep. you know? Yep. And so hmm. small mo- moments of like idolization and idolatry of, of what he offers versus who he is. Yeah. And so that mental space, like arena or battlefield, which we call like spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult because we can get caught up in that. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's where I've, me personally, that's where I've always gotten lost is in that, that space of the battle has never been flesh and blood. It's always been in the spirit, spiritual Mm -hmm. realm, which Mm -hmm. is, which is our mind. Yeah. And so, yeah. Fighting for mental health over physical, mm-hmm. physical things, I think is a lot more important. Man, that was huge. I'm going to like re-listen to those last like four minutes multiple times. <laughs> like if I'm, you know, is God my psychologist or my therapist or my doctor or, or am I coming to him because he's God? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. I've never thought of it like that, but that's totally the case. That's literally you know, how like, I felt like three weeks ago. I was like, I'm really? coming to him for peace. I'm like, yeah. like what? Well, I guess you've heard, you know, you heard of like the vending machine God yeah. where he's come to him for needs. And uh, yeah, that's, he's just so, he's so much more and so much better than that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and there's so much more life. Like as you were talking, some of the things that popped into my head, like we, we tell our athletes and you can, you, this is true in business too, but like the two things you can't teach or train or coach is attitude and effort. And like the attitude of having a, a perspective of, of success from the inside, like having a, a, a prosperous soul, like, and that doesn't look like having a lot of things like your prosperity gospel stuff. It's like, I'm okay. Cause I know Jesus and he knows me and like, I can just show up and every, and if it doesn't look good right now, it must not be the end because all things work together for, mm-hmm. uh, in, for good in the end. And so it's like, if it's not good now, it's not the end. And that attitude of like, re, like rejoicing or joy mm-hmm. or, and that positivity, that hope mindset, like, so that's the attitude. And then you just got to keep showing up and that's the effort part and watch what God can do with that. Mm-hmm. But if we're yeah off in any of those things, then God becomes a vending machine and my relationship with him is transactional. It's moved from transactional. He's supposed to transform my life, but I just come to him for things. And I don't give good him things. my, yeah, good, good things. things. Yeah. Right. I think, I think it's good to reiterate good things. Yeah. Right. Healthy things. Healthy things. God and, things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he like, it's about him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the worst, the worst words any of us could ever hear is uh, depart from me. I, I never knew you. And it's like, you know, that, but we cast out our demons, healed the sick. Yeah. Like we prophesied in your name. Yeah. We healed people in your name. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said like, I never knew you good things. Mm-hmm. And so like what an emphasis, that's what I've taken this whole time to be. It's like, I like I, God, I want you to know me. Like, it's not about what I can get from you. It's like, what, who, what do you need to know about me? What do I need to mm-hmm. know about myself? Like, how can I be known? Uh, because that's the worst. Those are the worst words I could ever hear. You know, especially like being in ministry now, like coming from the marketplace, being in ministry and, and like having my life be about mm-hmm. the kingdom and transformation. Like I could do all those things and, and still not have God know me and it, it would all be for nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's good. Good to think about. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Man, Israel, you bet. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> it was fun. Um, hope to have you again and have a good morning, everybody. Yeah. See you guys. See ya.